0: Hello and welcome to Talking Opinions. I am Anthony Livingston Hall. Donald Trump is such a liar and exaggerator that even when he was President of the United States, you would have been forgiven for ignoring everything he said. But It turns out one thing he said not only was true, but is now coming home to roost. No doubt some of you remember well how Trump continually complained, in his boorish way, that Germany was screwing NATO by failing to allocate more of its budget for defence and making itself a captive state by relying so much on Russia for oil and gas. Unfortunately, it has taken the genocidal war Russia is now waging in Ukraine for German leaders to finally concede that Trump was not only right but prescient in each case. Truth be told, though, when it comes to this war and the looming fallout, I think I've said more than enough in previous episodes, including most recently in PSA, Help Ukraine, Call Russia, on April 9. And I've written even more in blog commentaries, including most recently in Secretary-General will meet Putin to talk humanitarian aid, but no safe haven on April 24. But I was moved to record this episode by reports this week on Germany debating whether it's nobler to keep buying Russian oil and gas, which would spare economic hardship in Germany, but fund Russia's genocidal war in Ukraine, or to stop buying them, which would spare Ukrainians genocidal ravages, but cause Germans economic hardship. Germany has led the world to believe that the Holocaust pledge to never forget informs the collective guilt that has governed its public consciousness since World War II. In a 2017 manifesto titled Preventing Crises, Managing Conflicts, Promoting Peace, the German government even declared that prevention of genocide and severe violations of human rights are Germany's raison d'etre its reason for being, yet Germany is offending all notions of public consciousness by seeking the equivalent of papal indulgences for merely promising to stop buying Russian oil in six months. Mind you, it intends to continue buying Russian gas for the foreseeable future. What's more, the Financial Times reported on April 28 that Germany is leading Hungary, Austria and Slovakia in complying with Russia's demand that they pay for its gas in rubles to help it weather Western sanctions. And Germany is doing this knowing that it not only undermines, but makes a mockery of the United Front, the EU, and NATO are trying to forge against Russia to help Ukraine. Again, this is the same Germany that has always professed a special duty to ensure that never again will the world stand by as evil men perpetrate another genocide. Yet nothing betrays Germany's own willingness to even aid and abet this genocide, quite like the way it is choosing Russian oil and gas over Ukrainian homes and lives. The moral hypocrisy afoot is as shocking as it is stupefying not least because even German leaders readily concede that Ukrainians are making deadly sacrifices for the democratic freedoms we all cherish. And it's not like Germany is facing a Sophie's Choice, which is why Ukraine must consider Germany debating the right thing to do, rather like a neighbour hearing you scream for help because you are trapped in your house that's on fire. And that neighbor saying he'll call for help as soon as he finishes mowing his friggin' lawn. But in historical context that might prick German consciousness, does anyone think it would have made any sense during World War Two, if America had said the following to Britain in the midst of the Blitz? We are going to supply you with weapons to defend yourself against German bombardment. But we are going to continue buying gas from Germany, even though we know Germany is going to use the money we pay for that gas to buy planes to continue bombing you. Yet that, in effect, is what Germany is saying to Ukraine today with respect to Russia. Except it is far worse, because Germany knows today what America did not back then. Namely, that Russia is not just bombing Ukraine to smithereens, but committing the kinds of genocidal war crimes for all the world to see. That most people only found out the Germans were committing after World War II. None dare say so, but there might be something in Germany's DNA that compels tortured empathy with Putin's Russia, given how it mirrors Hitler's Germany so much. In a similar vein, I've been arguing that the EU should expel Hitlerian Hungary and invite Jeffersonian Ukraine. But Germany is giving me cause to reconsider. Unsurprisingly, Ukraine has accused Germany of betraying its professed values. To register his disappointment, President Volodymyr Zelensky made clear that German President Frank-Walter Steinmeier wouldn't be welcomed when he attempted to join the maddening rush of Western leaders, braving Russian missiles to visit Kyiv in a vain, glorious way to show their support for Ukraine. But now, as The Washington Post reported on Tuesday, Chancellor Olaf Scholz is snubbing Zelensky for snubbing Steinmeier which has Germany looking not just like a hedging and dithering NATO ally, but like a petty and sulking one to boot. <laughs> Enter German opposition leader Frederick Mertz, who not only denounced Schultz, but had cameras rolling, when he made his own pilgrimage to Kyiv this week. But while there, he sounded what should be the rallying cry of all civilised leaders, namely, that Ukrainians are fending off Russian invaders in Ukraine on behalf of democratic and freedom-loving people everywhere. But I wish Mertz did not feel compelled to make that pilgrimage. Because I'm on record questioning why Western leaders are falling all over themselves for a personal audience with Zelensky. Noting that it's as if visiting Zelensky is for them what visiting Mecca is for Muslims. And this is why one can hardly blame Zelensky. If all the hosannas are finally getting to his head. Indeed, only this explains why. When Biden visited Poland recently, Zelensky sat in Kyiv and demanded to know why Biden was too afraid to brave the war zone to come to him. <laughs> Mohammed might have gone to the mountain, but not Zelensky. I urge world leaders to stop this madness. You don't have to go to Kiev to support Ukraine. And God forbid Biden follows this misguided fashion by doing so, as the media are goading him to do. But how is this for breaking news, which is going to out me as an incorrigible multitasker? I am recording this on the afternoon of May 6, but I just noticed a news flash from German broadcaster Deutsche Welle that Zelensky has invited both Steinmeier and Schultz to visit Kyiv on May 9. He clearly intends to parade them, hoping to upstage Putin's May Day plans to celebrate Russia's victory—not just over Nazi Germany in World War II, but over Nazi Ukraine in 2022. <laughs> oh, these kids! Meanwhile, apropos of dithering, there's the manifest absurdity of Germany doing just that, until this week, over sending heavy weapons to Ukraine. It reportedly feared doing so might provoke retaliation from Russia. Evidently, it did not care that refusing to do so might undermine NATO's three-musketeer-style Article 5 pledge of an attack on one is an attack on all. No doubt you recall how this fear of provoking Russia led to the spectacle of Germany refusing to serve as a base for NATO to send MiG-29 fighter jets to Ukraine. But in fairness to Germany, no NATO country seemed to appreciate the mockery this made of Biden's declaration that an invasion of just one inch of any NATO country would trigger retaliation from every NATO country. After all, Russia already had its hands full just fighting Ukraine. So the fear that Putin would even risk war with NATO because Poland was providing jets or Germany was providing tanks to Ukraine was completely irrational. And nothing showed just how so. Quite like the fact that NATO countries were sending drones and Stinger missiles that were killing Russians far more efficiently than any jet or tank ever could. Not to mention the irony that, all the while, Finland and Sweden were showing real profiles in courage by defying, or dare I say, provoking Putin with their declared intent to join NATO. This is why the moral and military cowardice Germany has displayed is as incomprehensible as it is unforgivable. Especially when you consider that, while it was fretting about incurring Putin's hollow wrath, Germany was ignoring pleas from Ukraine for weapons to stop the very genocide Germany has professed a special duty, never again to allow any man to perpetrate. Incidentally we've all seen the pictures of what this has meant for cities like Bucha, Kharkiv and Mariupol and they speak volumes but the numbers are telling too. According to reliable reports Since Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24, 6,449 Ukrainian civilians have been killed. 3,000 soldiers have been killed. 5 million Ukrainians have been forced into exile in neighboring countries like Poland and as far away as the United States another 7 million have been internally displaced because Russian bombs have reduced their homes to smithereens. 500,000 have been deported to so-called special filtration camps in Russia that are indistinguishable from German concentration camps and, apropos of which... Ukraine's Chief Prosecutor says her team has already catalogued over 8,000 cases of war crimes against Putin and his soldiers, including torture and the rape of women, girls, men and boys. And it cannot be overstated. That this is not unfolding in Asia or Africa, where the heart of darkness that triggers man's inhumanity to man seems unbound. No, this is unfolding in the heart of Europe, where everyone thought such genocidal ravages were relegated to the history books. But yes, In the episode titled, Long Before Ukraine, Fratricidal Conflict Raged in Ethiopia on March 12, I decried the world for standing by, as the latest, never-again genocide, raged in Africa. Of course, unless they are already prisoners of war, it will take a Russian revolution for Putin and his Putsis to be held accountable for committing war crimes that rival those Hitler and his Nazis committed. But, as a matter of principle, they must be charged. Meanwhile, the war rages on and even though Putin would never dare violate Biden's one-inch rule, he has demonstrated a willingness to retaliate in ways unlikely to trigger NATO's Article 5. This was the case just last week, for example, when he cut the supply of natural gas to Poland and Bulgaria. This because, unlike Germany, they ignored his demand to pay in rubles. Uh, By the way, I fully appreciate why some think this cutting off his nose to spite his face is a bad omen. This apocalyptic thinking says that if Putin is willing to deface Ukraine to save his face, he'd be willing to deface the whole world to save it too, and that he might be forced to do so If the reported celebrations are scheduled for May 9 come and all he has to show for his, quote, special military operation, end quote, is a Ukraine reduced to rubble. A once vaunted Russian military exposed as a bungling menace of marauding incompetence and over 20,000 dead soldiers returned home. In body bags. Hell, even grizzled military veterans are all over American TV, aping Putin's pundits on Russian TV with mad, capital M.A.D. speculation about how a humiliated and cornered Putin could use his Vunda weapon to destroy enemies of his own making. Except anyone with only half a brain knows that this world where only Putin possesses such nuclear weapons exists only on Russian TV. Indeed, this is why, far from fretting about provoking Putin, Britain has been leading global efforts to seize the assets of the oligarchs he uses to launder his ill-gotten gains. What's more, given Putin's open and notorious love of sports, I applaud Britain for making such a public show of banning Russian players from this year's Wimbledon. In fact, ever since the World Anti-Doping Agency exposed Putin's state-sponsored doping program in 2014, I've been arguing that nations hosting international sporting competitions should ban all Russians from competing. But the genocidal war crimes he's lording over in Ukraine should now cause all Russians, a.k.a. Putin's willing executioners, with their Z swastikas, to be treated like skunks everywhere they go. So, here's to them enjoying life in their North Korean style, dystopian kingdom. But this obliges me to reiterate my take on prevailing expert opinion, which states that Putin is hell-bent on conquering Ukraine to seal his legacy as one of the great Russians like Peter the Great and Catherine the Great. Uh, To be sure, he is killing and arresting many people to stay in power, but unlike Peter and Catherine, he has little to show for it. Uh, This is why I maintain that Russians will be dancing on his grave sooner than Iraqis began dancing on Saddam Hussein's and, we all recall, the unspeakable crimes against humanity Saddam perpetrated in a vain attempt to seal his legacy as one of the great Babylonians like Hammurabi and Nebuchadnezzar America and Britain are boldly supplying arms to Ukraine, sanctioning the Russian economy and seizing the assets of Putin's oligarchs. This is why it shall redound to Germany's eternal shame that it is shrinking from the moral imperative to immediately cut all imports of Russian oil and gas. Payments for which Putin is using to fund this genocidal war. In the blog commentary titled The Plot to Kill Putin on February 19 I prayed that among the spies he's purging every day looking for a mole might be one that is spooked enough to become a Russian Klaus von Stauffenberg, who succeeds. But perhaps you saw reports this week about Putin preparing to have cancer surgery soon. This clearly means his genocidal reign could be over sooner than I thought. After all, who needs the probing for culpability that comes with the bullet or bomb of an assassin when the drug of an anesthesiologist can offer plausible deniability. That's it. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to contact me, I invite you to email anthonyhall279 at gmail.com or use the contact feature on my blog at www.ipjn.com Thank you for listening and... Until the next Talking Opinions, goodbye.